I'm Emma G. Rose. I'm Shell Shearer. We're indie authors. And this is Indie Book Talk. Hello and welcome back to Indie Book Talk. Today we have Joseph Fasano, who is a poet, but also the author of the upcoming novel, The Swallows of Lunetto, which will be out on November 25th. Now, the reason that we asked Joseph to join us, however, is because, as you know, I hang out on Twitter probably more than I should, and I stumbled across Joseph's pages on Twitter. He has two of them. One of them is Poem for My Son, and the other is Poem for You. So we're going to talk about both of those things today, as well as hopefully the novel. Joseph, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's it's great to be here. So first, let me ask you about uh, Poem for My Son, because that's where I started sort of discovering what you were up to. What is this thing that you are doing? It feels like live performance art via Twitter. <laughs> I think that's probably a good way to describe it. When... My son, actually, probably two or three weeks before he was born, I found myself just very organically developing this this project. And to be honest, I didn't even really know what it was when I began it. I started tweeting out a few lines here and there, which is not really the medium that I use to to normally express myself or share my work. And probably two or three days into this, you know, bizarre impulse that I had. I realized that I was I was speaking to my unborn son. I realized that I was writing something for him, creating some sort of public document, some sort of record of of my feelings about everything. And and so I just have kept it going. My son was born, he came a little bit early, he surprised us, but everything was was wonderful. And it's been what I call a living poem, which is to say as as you know, I often do find myself on Twitter just as you say a little more often than I should. Uh, but there's not, there's no way to really edit something once it's been posted. And that's terrifying to me as a writer, but I think there's some sort of way in which this project mimics the kind of spiritual attitude toward, toward parenthood that I have, which is to say, if you make a mistake, you know, you can try to do better next time, but you can't quite change that. And so there's something about this process, this organic process of speaking to my son, writing and leaving this document for him that when he gets older, he'll have a chance to read that, as I say, somehow mimics the, the spiritual attitude I have toward parenthood. So I'm, I'm just writing this ongoing uh, project for him. And it's a wonderful way for me to clarify my own thoughts about being a father. Very cool. So, so I imagine in between that, you're tweeting other things as well, or is it that Twitter feed just for this? Yeah, so that one is just for this project. It's sort of separate from, you know, my own Twitter feed where I do some other things or share the work of other poets. This one account is really just dedicated to these these lines that come up and that I share as part of this project. Do you have comments and things turned off or are you allowing people to engage in this process with you? Yeah, no, I'm I'm allowing people to engage in it, and and as you can imagine, if you're of course familiar with social media spaces, that's a little bit tricky because that invites in all manner of discourse. You know, I like to have a little bit of control over it. I mean, you know, they're trolls and that sort of thing, and you just don't let them be a part of that project, especially for my son. But really, honestly, I haven't had much trouble with that at all. It's been very wonderful to hear the response from parents, from people who are kind of connecting to that child inside of themselves. So the response around it has really been very wonderful and warm. And I think people are maybe connecting to it because it's this sort of 
willful naivete and and open-eyed uh, innocence in in an otherwise ruinous landscape. <laughs> so, since it is ongoing, I mean, will you ever be like putting it together and editing it, or do you like that it's more raw and just out there without being edited? What What are your thoughts there? I have a pretty ambivalent relationship to its rawness because, as I say, as a poet and as a writer, uh, you know, I'm 100% dedicated to craft and revision. And this has really been very strange being out there in the wind like this. But, you know, my wife, who does some illustrations as a visual artist, amongst many other things, my wife and I have been talking about, you know, maybe collecting some of them together and putting together a nice little sort of coffee table book, just a few of the lines to sort of meditate on accompanied by some illustrations, just, you know, little things that people might be able to give give as gifts to one another. So right now I'm letting it develop organically and we'll see where it goes, but uh, it's very much why I call it a, a living poem. It feels like it's kind of breathing and taking me with it. <laughs> How often are you engaged in this? Are you tweeting every day? Do you have a goal to tweet a certain number of times, or is it as you feel moved, you work on it? It more or less has been every day. There are some few exceptions here and there. I had to step away from it for for a few weeks just to attend to some personal things. But for the most part, it's been pretty consistent that I really try to think about something that I do want to share as a part of it every day. And sometimes I'll sort of build a little bit of a lyrical arc in four or five or six different tweets or different lines that I'll share in the same day. But I try to do it only, I try not to force it. So if it's something that I genuinely, excuse me, want to to share and to really, that I, you know, that I really feel connected to, I'll share it. But it has been the case that for the most part, that has meant every day because this is my first child and it is such a new, transformative, (laughs) beautifully, blissfully exhausting (laughs) experience. There's no shortage of things to reflect on and to feel, at least now. So how long do you think you'll keep it going or do you just until it just naturally ends for yours? Yeah, sometimes I joke that uh, I'll I'll keep it going for a while until he says, you know, dad, you're embarrassing me or something. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, because after a while, some of those thoughts are going to be very frustrated and angry. (laughs) You know, it's true. I I actually want that to be a part of it because, of course, you know, the first couple days of your child's life and everything is rosy colored and and you're very much romanticizing the experience. But there are moments already in the poem that reflect the reality of it. I mean, it sounds like you're speaking from experience (laughs) from the parenting. And I want that to be a part of it. So as those things start to come up and you're waking up at three o'clock in the morning and you're changing diapers and he's he's getting his first little, little tooth now. So he's wailing. You know, that's part of it. That's part of it. And so I want that to be reflected in the piece, of course, in a, in a tactful way. But yeah, I don't want to shy away from that. I'm very interested that in that in my work in, in general in the past years, which is there is a certain lyricism and even romanticism in my work, but I'm unflinching in, in my desire to really sort of paint the world as it is. So now that you've got this project going, do you see yourself doing this with other projects on different Twitter feeds? Do you like, are you enjoying using this as a creative process? I think it's more that the material calls me so much that that I felt compelled to use a medium that I wouldn't otherwise have used. And so I don't really feel called to do it for another project you know, at the moment. 
And for the most part, mostly, I, you know, I really enjoy my you know, retreating into my little writing area, sitting at my desk and, and having that profound solitude in the process, and, and the long ripening of a, even a short lyric poem. So at the moment, it's, it's very much an anomaly for me. And I think I'll probably keep it that way unless I feel really, my projects kind of announce themselves to me. I very rarely sit down and give it a lot of forethought and say, let's do this now or let's do that. Like, for example, I find myself working on a screenplay with an Italian friend of mine. And a year or two ago, I never would have thought that I would be, be doing that. So as projects come up, I sort of just greet them when they seem really, really necessary in, uh, in my process. Let's then shift to one of your other projects, because I understand that you're also the organizer or founder. I'm not sure what the right title is for the Twitter feed at underscore poems for you underscore. Yeah. And how did that come about? What is that? How did you get all these people involved? I really love that project. That was that was a product of, you know, if we go back to the beginning of the pandemic and we were all of course we remember that those those panicky months and not knowing what's going on and i was doing something that a lot of people were doing in the literary community early on in the pandemic is i was trying to keep myself sane in any number of ways and i was sharing poems and i've always been a big believer and i do this with my students too in covering the human voice as the aspe- as an aspect of poetry so i've always been a been one to read my own poems, to read other poems. Uh, People in my life know I'm always sort of reciting things a bit madly. But I was doing that on social media. I would uh, wake up in the morning and everybody was sort of homebound, uh, you know, at the beginning there. And I would read, I would recite poems. Sometimes they would be my own, but more often than not, it was poems that I felt connected to other poets, things I wanted to share. And one day I woke up in the morning and I thought, well, you know, I'm not sure what I want to share today. Why don't I go ahead and ask the audience asked people who had been following me on Twitter. And I got such a wonderful response and so many requests that I realized, well, there's a, there's a community here. And so I developed this idea of having a digital space in which people could request recitations of poems that they love. And I would bring on, uh, you know, different guest readers to read those poems. So we've had Jericho Brown uh, read a poem for us. We've had Robert Pinsky read a poem for us. I mean, the, the list goes on and on. It's just a wonderful, diverse chorus of voices. And so that's something that, you know, we update as often as, as we can. Sometimes we'll have a little cluster of, of readers, and then other times we'll maybe go a month between postings. So we just do it when when we get some requests and when we you know have the resources to pull it all together but it's it's been fantastic it's been just a wonderful way to uh, to share poems in in a time that still is a bit isolating so when i first saw this project my first thought was wait a minute is there a copyright concern here and i don't know anything about poetry and if it's different but you know if i read like a children's book out loud um, except for during the pandemic, when many publishers had released them as a thing that could, you could do, that would have been considered a copyright infringement. So I'm wondering, do you get permission? Do you have only read poems that are in public domain? How do you handle that? A lot of the poems are public domain. And then the other things, I mean, really, it's a matter of fair use in the sense of it being an educational, you know, in the same way in which, you know, it's not a monetized thing. We're certainly not making any money off of it. And the same way you could stand in front of your classroom and read a poem that you you read yesterday in Poetry Magazine and share it with that audience. 
educational fair use. A lot of the projects that I've done in the past, I used to do a, a series that I called The American Poem, and I would give a, a reading of a poem and then a little bit of a discussion that the teachers could use in a classroom for a 10, 15-minute segment. So, yeah, I know, of course, that especially in a country that is so saturated with ideas of monetization and commodification, it's always tricky. But I, I shall not let that get in the way of sharing poetry. <laughs> Wonderful. You had mentioned, and you've mentioned it a couple of times sort of in passing, you talked about students, you talked about things that teachers could use. Are you teaching yourself or are you just engrossed in the teacher community? Yeah, I've, I've been a teacher for, I think it's 14 years now. So I, uh, I do teach creative writing to, and literature seminars. And my students are wonderful. Uh, teach uh, at a school called Manhattanville College, which is in Westchester, New York, and and I also teach two courses a year at Columbia University, where I direct the undergraduate creative writing journal as well. And it is uh, it's wonderful, especially when you're teaching a poetry class and you know everybody is in that room because they're they're passionate about the material and, and they want to be there. Every different era presents new challenges, interesting challenges in the classroom. And I think there are a lot of exciting changes going on right now in the minds of young writers, different things they're concerned with. So needless to say, you learn a lot from your students as well. So I love teaching. It's, it's really a passion of mine. So do you have any advice for someone that wants to try writing poetry that maybe hasn't tried it before? The thing I, I often say to my students is, we were just talking a moment ago uh, here, about that culture of commodification that we find ourselves in, you know, in this country. And I, I often find that people who begin to, to try to write um, were carrying around so many of the value systems of our culture, and that can get in the way of the process of creation. One example would be I tell my students, go into your obsessions. You're haunted by something. Is it an image? Is it a memory? Is it a, a certain kind of uh, language or syntax? Write it and write it again and write it again. And don't let people tell you that everything that you write has to be infinitely different from the thing you've written yesterday, because we live in this culture of let's get the new thing. Let's get the new thing. Let's sort of you know, always have that novelty. So that's just one piece of advice that I, that I often give, you know, go, go into that and maybe it's not finished with you yet. That's something. And, and also even though I sit here, you know, sharing poetry on social media spaces, I often tell people, especially when they're beginning, to give themselves that solitary apprenticeship, you know, to, to do, of course, the reading and to love it and to not worry too much about publication. Nowadays, publication is so different from, I mean, I'm not all that old. I'm only, only 40 years old, but I remember I got my first acceptance on a typewritten, you know, piece of mail from <laughs> the Yale Review. And I was, nowadays, if you want to publish something, there's so many outlets. So that's not really a problem. The question becomes, pace yourself, take some time, be able to sit with that feeling that you don't exist if you're not publishing. I think that's a huge thing for especially independently published people, because we often feel like we're setting our own schedule. So if we're not churning out a book a year or three books a year or five books a year, then we're not really authors. You can't see me, but I'm doing the scare quotes. Uh, <laughs> so I think that you know, the reminder to slow down, the reminder that you're still a writer, you're still creative, you're still 
maybe figuring something out. You don't have to necessarily throw it out into the public and let the wolves devour it just yet. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. I think it's really well said. You know, to work at the pace that the work dictates, you know, so there might be a time when you're genuinely turning out a lot of material because you're maybe working on a couple different aesthetic fronts and you're experimenting. This new novel that I've, that I've written actually kind of explosively just, it, it just happened. It was, it was a sort of a, a very quick process, but you know, the novel before that was a five year, six year process. So these books have their own, their own schedules for sure. Tell us about the new novel since you gave us that beautiful segue. Sure. I'm excited about this. I feel I feel personally connected to it. I feel personally connected to all my books, of course, but sometimes it's mysterious. And in this case, uh, it's a novel that is set right at the end of the Second World War. It takes place in uh, southern Italy, in Calabria. It's, it's a fictionalized town that I've uh, sort of made up for the purposes of the novel, but it's a novel that is about a young man who found himself involved in the Second World War in uh, fighting for uh, Mussolini's fascist regime. And he has emerged from this war with significant psychological scars. He's actually taken part in an atrocity against the Italian partisans, his own countrymen. And so it's a novel that begins with the reflection of, of a young man thinking about how he was, how he got caught up in that sort of political movement. And of course, the obvious parallels to our, our moment in the United States now, the ways in which certain political movements hijack the pain of individuals, of vulnerable individuals, you know, and I think it's really important as artists to look at that, to not just categorically brush it aside as some sort of bizarre phenomenon. It happens again and again in history. So this novel is very much a reflection on how that happens. Of course, uh, me being who I am in my, in my fiction, it also, it also has a love story. Fantastic. And when was that out again? So that will be coming out on November 25th from Maudlin House, a great publisher in Chicago, and I'm really enjoying working with them. Valerie Smart is the is the captain of the ship over there, and they just make some some beautiful books inside and out. Their book design is very lovely, too. Fantastic. Emma, do you have anything else? I do I have anything else? <laughs> I was going to ask, well, I was going to ask about your publisher, but you sort of, again, wove that in so so easily that I don't have to ask. <laughs> Is there another book on the horizon? Yes, you know my my latest book of poems was it's getting getting to be a while now. That came out in 2018. It was a book called The Crossing, and I've been putting together a manuscript that I'm sure will be will be ready to go probably in the next couple of months, and then you know, and then I'll find the right the right home for it. But it's, it's been interesting working on both fiction and poetry. They're interestingly symbiotic, but of course, very, very different worlds. So I've found it very interesting and productive to bounce back between the two. So yeah, I'm looking up and I'm realizing years have gone by and, and I haven't uh, put out a book of poems. So probably in the next year or two, maybe three at most. Um, but that book is is more or less more or less where it needs to be, maybe just a few things that I need to. Robert Frost used to say, if a book of poems has 25 poems in it, then the book is the 26th poem. And so I kind of always wait for that to click and feel that everything is is where it needs to be. So I'm trying to have a little patience. So if people want to keep track of your upcoming books and all of these projects you're doing, where can they find you online? 
So uh, most everything is available, or at least the information is available on my website, which is josephfasano.net. And then my Twitter feed, which is just joseph underscore fasano underscore, is where I normally post things. We're going to be putting out all the dates for the upcoming book tour. So we just booked a date uh, down in Virginia in November. We'll have some events in Cambridge up at Harvard. We'll have some events in the New York area. And then the uh, the launch of the novel will be in the first week of December at the Hudson Valley Writers Center in Sleepy Hollow in New York. So a bunch of things that will keep people posted on. And then the poem for my son is on Twitter at stars underscore poem. Fantastic. Thank you so much for being here. I feel like I kind of want to go take a poetry class now. <laughs> you don't have time. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, I, I've done something right then. <laughs> yes, yes. Thank you so much. And everyone go read all of the amazing things that Joseph is doing. He's really putting out a lot of really accessible and lovely pieces of, I'm just going to say art, because I think that's the best word. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Emma. And thank you, Shelley. It's been a real pleasure. <laughs>